You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Doug Robbins. Well, great to be with you guys. And so far, I'm already having an amazing 2017 because like Humby said earlier, uh, I got to drive a bulldozer this past week, so that was a lot of fun. In fact, when I was grinding up part of the floor at Cameo, uh, my beard grew just a little bit from that experience, uh, so I'm pretty stoked about that. Um, But I want to give a big shout out and thanks to all of our staff team who helped to get us set up in these rooms for church today. That would be Humby and Margo and, uh, of course, Jeannie, my wife, and Robbie and John, our great sound guy, and, and all the others. So would you guys give it up for them and thank them for getting us set up here uh, today. So thank you guys for that. We had a really great 2016 at City Church downtown. In fact, we tallied up our baptisms for the year. Uh, we had like 49 people baptized on Christmas Eve, and that gets us to 259 people came to faith in Christ and were baptized in 2016 at City Church downtown. That's a good deal, right? <clears throat> so uh, we had a great year last year, but it hadn't always been that way. And as I was preparing for this talk, um, I was thinking through some of the challenges in my life and in ministry and how I deal with the challenges of life. And one of the challenges that we had some years ago when we were starting this church is that um, we started out in the TriPoint building. This, by the way, is like our fourth venue that we've been in, the one we're in right now. But we started out in the TriPoint building, and then we were displaced. And so we had a good group of people to start with. And then uh, it was kind of all crushed when we were displaced from the TriPoint building, and we had to move over to the Josephine Theater. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in the Josephine Theater, but kind of a dump, right? Uh, not the greatest venue. And so we moved in there. And you've you got to put yourself in my shoes for just a minute. When we moved uh, from there, and we were basically starting out in the Josephine Theater, um, I had moved from our Bandar Road campus, which is this awesome big church, you know, it's got a great facility, you know, they've got those lights that move all around and everything, right? And I went from all of that to a little dumpy theater in an obscure part of downtown, and I'm looking at a handful of people when I'm used to teaching thousands of people over at Bandar Road. And what I felt in my heart is, boy, you know how to screw up a church, don't you? What a failure you are. But my first response was, what we do when we struggle is we pray. And we start praying. And God started moving in our little handful of people downtown. I think about other challenges I have had in my life and one that I'm having right now. Uh, My father-in-law that I love, Jeannie's my wife's dad, has cancer. And she's going to be with him in the hospital after church today. But what is the first thing that we do? We pray. We pray first. There, see? Um, A group of people came in here today before you got here, and they prayed. Because we're in a displacement time, you know, some people may not be able to find church and all that, and we worry about uh, how church is going to go when we're not in our regular theater But what we do anytime we're challenged is we pray first. And there were a group of people that came in here earlier today and prayed over every single seat for you that God would move in your heart and life today. Now, there's this guy that uh, is like a pastor, preacher, old guy. He's passed away now. His name is Smith 
Wigglesworth. Okay, that's a great name, isn't it? Smith Wigglesworth. And if you got your teaching notes when you came in, if you happen to get those, um, then you can look on your teaching notes. If you don't have those, just listen to me say it. Uh, But here's what he said. I never pray more than 20 minutes, but I never go more than 20 minutes without praying. Did you catch that? I never pray more than 20 minutes, but I never go more than 20 minutes without praying. And basically what this guy is surfacing is a truth that we learn from Jesus in Luke chapter 18, verse 1. And I'm going to read that to you real quick, where Jesus taught his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray. Always pray and not give up. So what does this mean for you and I? When you get sick, you know what you do first? Pray. You pray first. Before you go to sleep at night, pray first. As soon as you get up for work, to go to work, you pray first. Before you eat, you pray first. Before you go on your next date, you pray first. Some of you are praying, Pastor Doug, I just want to pray that I get a date first, right? (laughs) Before I can go on that date. Those of you that are businessmen, before you pick your appointments for the day, you pray first. Those of you that are parents that have kids in school, before you drop off your kids, you pray first, right? Um, Those of you that are posting on social media, before you make every post, you pray first. Some of you would avoid a lot of drama if you would pray before you post, right? So we pray first in everything. And I learned a lot about prayer in recent days from a pastor named Chris Hodges, And here's what he said, and I want you to remember this because I'm going to repeat it for you throughout this series. Chris Hodges says, prayer is my first response, not my last resort. Did you catch that? Prayer is my first response, not my last resort. So when I say prayer is my first response, I want you to say, not my last resort. Okay, you ready? Prayer is my first response. Not my last resort. Excellent, thank you. So when Jesus was going to begin his ministry, before he began his public ministry, what would he do first? Prayed. That's right. He prayed first, but he tacked something else onto his praying. And that's what I'm going to talk to you about today. Before Jesus began his public ministry, he prayed and fasted. He was praying and fasting in the midst of um, an encounter being tempted by our spiritual enemy. And prayer and fasting was so significant to the life and ministry of Jesus that when he was training his young disciples, uh, he sent them out to do good works in his name, and they were actually able to go out and do all these miracles in Jesus' name. And it surprised them one day when they encountered this boy who, like, would go into epileptic seizures, and sometimes these seizures would call him to cause him to fall into fire and uh, have problems like this. And it was all being caused by, the Bible says, a demon, right? And this kid would fall into the fire and he had these seizures and stuff. And the disciples prayed for him. They prayed first. They did the right thing, didn't they? But nothing happened. So where'd they go wrong? What happened? Why didn't their prayers have any effect on this boy who went into the seizures? Well, Jesus gives us the answer to that question in Matthew chapter 17, verse 17. And here's what he said. O faithless and perverse generation. The reason their prayers weren't answered because they were faithless and perverse. 
And Jesus goes on uh, to say there, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? And Jesus went ahead and cast the demon out of the boy, healed this boy up, and he was good to go. So there are two reasons why our prayers don't get through many times. Because we are faithless and perverse. Faithless is when we're not believing, when we're not connected enough to the Lord. Perverse, there's a long list of things in the Bible. I'm not going to go down that long list, and I'm not going to try and be the Holy Spirit for you. The Spirit of God will convict you of those things that may be perverse in your life. But to make a long story short, uh, being perverse is when we're too connected to this world. So uh, faithless, not connected enough to the Lord. Perverse, uh, too connected to the things of this world. So how is it that you and I can get unattached from this world and not be perverse and how we can have more faith, be faithful to God and be more connected to him? Well, Jesus shows us that in the next, uh, one of the next verses here in Matthew chapter 17. Look at verse 21. He says, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and what? Fasting. Prayer and fasting. There's something about praying and fasting, doing without some things, that releases us from being too connected to this world and connects us more to God so that our prayers have more power. And this is why we're going to start the year with 21 days of prayer and fasting. And by the way, fasting will help some of you with your weight loss goals as well, right? So that should be fun. Now, some people would say, Pastor Doug, you know, you have too many people who are spiritual investigators in your church to be talking about fasting, or you have too many baby Christians, so you should just talk about like felt needs and emotional stuff all the time. Well, no, I think what you really want is the real thing, right? Do you want to be challenged with the real thing, or do you want me to sugarcoat everything and patronize you all the time and make you feel good all the time? Well, listen, today is not so much just a feel-good thing. Today is a challenge to you, because some of you who are spiritual investigators, if you would go to the Lord in fasting, in prayer, and say, God, would you please reveal yourself to me? I want to know if you're out there, and I want to know so badly that I'm willing to go without some things for a time, without some food, so that you'll reveal yourself to me. And some of you who are believers, 2017 could be a breakthrough year for you. But you're not going to break through to the next level of your growth and closeness with Jesus if you're not willing to go without some things for a time and pray and fast, see? So I want to show you a definition of fasting. For those of you that got the teaching notes today, fasting as I'm describing it today is voluntarily reducing or eliminating your intake of food or pleasurable activities to focus on God. You're going without certain foods or some foods. I'm going to define this more clearly as we go. Um, but you're going without pleasurable things for a time in order to focus in on and connect with God. So why would you want to fast? Well, I've got several reasons, four of them to be exact. Uh, fast to experience the power of God. Do you know one of the reasons why believers today don't experience the real power of God and don't experience miraculous things happening in our lives today? is because we don't practice the same disciplines that believers practiced in the New Testament of the Bible. We're way more into feasting than we are into fasting. But you have to be into fasting if you want to experience the power of God in your life. See? 
Now, a second reason is that we, we fast when we're in mourning, when we're mourning a loss. If you go back to the Old Testament, you would see that King David mourned and fasted whenever he lost his infant son. And some of you who have lost people that you love, it's appropriate sometimes to go into a season of fasting as you mourn. Some of you are mourning the loss of other things in your life, right? Some of you have lost a relationship or you've lost a job or you're like me. You know, my kids are teenagers now. They're all grown up and I'm, I'm mourning the loss of little kids, you know, that are sweet and nice. Teenagers are mean and everything, right? So I'm, uh, sometimes I fast, you know, um, um, mourning the loss of my little children, right? Uh, but then number three, fast when you need God's help with a big decision. Remember Daniel in the Old Testament, he would fast when he needed discernment or to interpret a dream, uh, he needed uh, help on decisions. And then Nehemiah in the Old Testament of the Bible, he fasted before he went on a big building project uh, to build the wall around Jerusalem. But uh, a fourth reason you fast is when you want a, a deeper experience of God's presence. Now, this service and this series is not so that you can just know more stuff in your head about biblical fasting. It's so that you can do something and experience something, right? A lot of people wanna go to church and just gorge themselves on more and more information and they think that that's going deep. But you never go deep until you do, right? I'm not about you just knowing a bunch of stuff and loading up on a bunch of stuff. I want you to do something. That's what uh, going deeper is. And so those of you that are going through recovery at some point, some of you are starting uh, Peel the Onion group or recovery group, this would be a good time to start fasting and pray and fast and say, God, would you please take me to a new level of freedom in my life? Some of you are sponsoring or mentoring other people, helping them to go through recovery. You're sponsoring or mentoring other people to help them grow spiritually. This would be a good time to fast for them. You know, there's more power in your mentoring and sponsoring when you are a person who's willing to fast, see? So if someone's not coming to the level of freedom uh, that they need to and you're trying to help them, you say, dude, don't make me go without food and fast for you, right? Fasting brings more power into your mentoring. So what kind of spiritual power might we experience here in our church if a large number of us were willing to fast for a time? What do you think God might do among us down here in the heart of the city if we were willing uh, to commit to fast together? Now, let me give you a couple of disclaimers related to fasting. Remember, fasting is not earning an answer to prayer. God cannot be blackmailed by human effort. God wants to answer our prayers, and he answers out of his grace. Fasting simply prepares you and I to receive his answer to uh, our prayers. And a second disclaimer I want to give you is that fast only if your health allows you to. Some of you who have struggled with bulimia or anorexia or you have some type of physical condition, you're pregnant or whatever, you may want to be very careful about how you fast. You may need to consult with your doctor, but let me show you how to fast. Um, Jesus gives us two concepts, and I'm going to kind of paraphrase this in my own language. He says you, you, you fast in secret and you fast with swag, okay? Let me show you what I mean by that. Um, I got this from Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 and 17, where Jesus says, and when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try and look 
miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that's the only reward that they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. So some of you recently perhaps have seen online or on TV how Mariah Carey's taking a little heat right now, right? Because she got caught lip syncing at her New Year's Eve event, and people are thinking, man, what a hypocrite. I mean, you're getting paid all this money to get up there and sing for everybody, and you're not really singing for everybody. You're just kind of up there, and then everything went wrong, you know, and everybody's thrown down on her because people think, man, you get paid all that money to get up there and sing. You should, like, get up there and maybe sing, right? Uh, well, what Jesus is saying here is if you're one of those people that likes to tell everybody when you're fasting to make it obvious so you can look more spiritual to other people, to impress other people, he's like, you're being like a spiritual lip sinker is what he's saying there. You're being... Uh, 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 in, disingenuous in doing that, but he says also in your hair. It's, it's like you uh, fast, do it with swag, right? He says uh, comb your hair. It's, it's like if Jesus were here today, he'd say put some product in that hair, right? Fix that mop. You know what I'm saying? Do something about it. Clean yourself up. Take a shower. <laughs> wash your face. Uh, use the product and make it look good. In fact, when you're fasting, you should look better than normal, right? Uh, so uh, when you come to church in the coming days and you see someone that really looks good, you should say, are you fasting? Right? <laughs> so what I want you to do right now is I want you to turn to someone next to you that looks pretty good, and I want you to tell them, ask them, are you fasting? Go ahead. <laughs> okay. That's enough. <laughs> you know, somebody out there, nobody looked at you. It's time to start fasting, right? <laughs> See how that goes? You fasting. So Jesus teaches us to fast in secret and to fast with swag. But uh, next, let's consider some different types of fasts, okay? Because there are a lot of different types of fasting you do. There's number one, I'm going to show you five of these. Uh, number one, there's the full fast where there's no food or water. That's what Jesus did in the wilderness when he was preparing for his ministry. He didn't drink water. He didn't eat food at all. The second type of fast is a food fast where you drink water, but you don't eat any food at all. Um, you got to be careful on those two types of fasts if you have a very strenuous job. Uh, obviously, check with your doctor if you have any type of health condition. But the third type of fast I want to talk to you about is what's called the Daniel fast. Now, the Daniel fast is where you eat no meat, no sweets, no bread. You drink water and juice. You eat fruits and vegetables all the time because that was the type of fast that Daniel did in the Old Testament. Um, and so that's called the Daniel fast. But number four is a partial fast where you give up one item of food. Like some might choose to give up meat, others chocolate. Um, you might choose to give up coffee. Someone's like, Pastor Doug, why would you have to say coffee, man? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn into a vampire. But um, you, you pick a particular type of food item. Uh, for some people in a partial fast, you might fast from one meal a day. You pick a particular meal that you're going to fast from, and that's a partial fast. But then number five, and here's one that's been very effective for a lot of folks, and that is the media fast, where you choose to fast from internet uh, TV, um, social media, or something like that. Some of you look really sad right now. It's like, mm, I'm not going to fast from Netflix, Pastor Doug. That's not cool, dude. Uh, but anyways, and media fast helps you to disconnect from this world to connect to the Lord. Now, a lot of people wonder, well, what do I do when I'm fasting, right? Because am I just sitting around being hungry all the time? Uh, what do I do? Well, what do we always do? Pray first. 
we pray first. You have something in your life right now that requires prayer. And you're going into this fast praying for this one thing. I want you to think about that one thing that you're going to be praying for uh, during our season of 21 days of prayer. Because remember, prayer is my first response, not my... Thank you. Thank you for still being there. I think we should try that again, right? (laughs) Prayer is my first response, not my last resort. Good, good. Now, a second thing that you can do while you're fasting is read his word and listen to worship music. Some, if, you, if, if you're skipping lunch, you sit down and you get into the word and you're feeding your soul rather than your body. Others of you may want to listen to worship music. I like listening to Hillsong United and Jesus Culture. I like this band, King's Kaleidoscope. Or you could listen to Wellhouse music that comes from uh, City Church downtown here. Uh, That's available on iTunes as well as um, they sell CDs around here somewhere. Um, But those are things that help you fill your heart and mind with the Lord. And during Jesus' 40-day fast, when he was preparing for his ministry, um, he was saying, I'm more hungry for my Father's presence than I am for bread. Um, in fact, he says in Matthew 4, 4, it takes more than bread to stay alive. It takes a steady stream of words from God's mouth, according to the message translation of the Bible there. He's hungry for more of God's word in connection with the Father. Now, remember, bread is not bad, right? I mean, in parts of the Bible, Jesus is called like the bread of life, but he goes without a good thing. Because he wants more of a better thing. He wants more of the presence of his Father. And fasting is not about what you're doing without, but it's about what you're getting more of. And you're getting more of an experience with our good Father in heaven. And Jesus wasn't just looking for God's hand of miracles. He was looking for God's face of fellowship. See? So, uh, 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 You know, a lot of people want God to be like a vending machine, and they're always looking for his hand of miracles. In fact, when uh, Satan came to tempt Jesus in the wilderness, he said, hey, change those stones into bread and break your fast. Do a little trick. Do a little miracle there. Or uh, he says, jump off the temple, and the angels will catch you. Well, maybe they would, but you know what Jesus said? Nope, I don't put the Lord my God to the test. See, God is not just about being tested. And those of you that are spiritual investigators, have you ever thought to yourself, you know, you know you're coming to church, you're scoping things out, you're checking it out, and have you ever had the thought, well, you know what, if God will just do one of those little tricks for me, then I'll believe, right? If I just saw him do a little miracle, then I'll believe. Well, I don't know that you would, but what I want you to know today is that God doesn't want to be your genie in a bottle. He wants your love is what he wants. And Jesus showed us that we're to seek God's face, not just his hand. And it reminded me when I thought about that of when my kids were little. And it's great when kids are little because, you know, you're trying to get them to stay in their bed. Parents, you know what a trial that is sometimes. It's like you're trying to get them to stay in their bed, but they get up, don't they? And uh, so Jeannie and I are laying in bed one night, and you hear these little footsteps, you know. 
Here they come down the hall, and they peek around the corner just like that, and they look, you see this cute little face, and you want to tell them to go back to bed, but really, you know what they're going to do, and they run, and they jump into the bed, and it's like that snuggle fest, you know, where uh, Jeannie and I are laying there, and uh, there's a kid laying there between us, you know, and we're all snuggling in the bed, and we're having a good old time, and um, so then my little daughter, she's, she's there, and it was her, and, and I'm laying here this way, and she grabs my head like this, and she cranks my face around. She said, Daddy, turn your face toward me. <laughs> you know what she wanted? She just wanted my attention, my love, right? And that's what we do when we're fasting. We're going before God, and we're saying, Dad, turn your face towards me. I want, I don't just want your hand, I want your face, see? I want your attention, I want your love. Now, one of the things that I've noticed throughout the scriptures is that there is this connection between fasting and spiritual warfare. There's a connection between fasting and spiritual warfare. Now, I want you to understand, for those of you that are kind of new to church, this is the part that might sound a little bit odd or a little bit weird to you. And we see this all throughout the scriptures that Jesus, when he was in the wilderness, it was spiritual warfare between he and the devil, right? It was spiritual warfare in the other story we talked about earlier today when uh, the disciples were trying to cast a demon out of a boy, right? That was spiritual warfare. And let me show you another story about this. When Paul and Barnabas prayed and fasted with a group of friends, and they encountered a demon-possessed sorcerer uh, named Elemus. And the Bible says in Acts 13, 7, check this part out. He had attached himself to the governor, Sergius Paulus, who was an intelligent man. The governor invited Barnabas and Saul to visit him, for he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elemus the sorcerer, as his name means in Greek, interfered and urged the governor to pay no attention to what Barnabas and Saul said. He was trying to keep the governor from believing. Now, check this out. Have you ever been around someone who was seeking and there was, it's like a spiritual presence around them that's trying to distract them and keep them from believing? Have you ever seen that? Well, that was exactly what was taking place here. There was this spirit attached to a guy and he was using another guy to dis distract the governor from uh, believing and understanding Christ. And that's one of the reasons why we want to fast and pray, is so that we're prepared for these types of battles. Now, I don't consider myself to be like a fasting Jedi, but I remember one time I ended a fast, just been fasting, and I found myself surprisingly in Pastor Miriam's office, a friend of mine, in one of these spiritual warfare encounters that I just described. And the young woman we were working with had been involved in generational Satanism. And we started to pray with her, and these voices started like speaking through her. Like, what I'm talking about is demonic voices. And man, it made the hair on the back of my neck stand up, and my eyebrows got a little bushier that day, you know, it was freaking me out. In fact, those voices that would come with her, they, they would look over at her purse and point at it, and a phone would go off in the purse as a distraction to keep it from going down. 
But we prayed and we stayed after it. And that young woman got free from those demonic spirits. And after those encounters, she actually came to a place of emotional health. And she was able to get married. And now she's loving life, raising horses. That's her passion. And uh, got a great godly husband. And you know what I thought about in light of this topic today? What if I had not been fasting? Would I have been prepared to help in that type of an encounter? What if I had not been prepared? And then another thought hit me. How many times have I not been prepared to help because I wasn't willing to do what it takes to see the power of God set someone free. And here's where this comes down for you. Is that God is calling some of you to a fast today. To start it today. Because he's preparing you for something significant. And you will not break through to the other side, to the place of freedom, or to the next level without fasting. Whether it's in your job, or your marriage, or in the freedom in your own spirit. And maybe someone else's freedom is depending upon your willingness to fast and pray. And so here's what we're going to do now. Remember earlier I said, I'm not just about loading your head with knowledge. I want to ask you to do something. We got these little wristbands, that like, one like I'm wearing right now. And there's some right down here in the middle uh, in front of me. There are some back there to your right if you're in the back room there just by the screen and what these wristbands say on them is it says pray and we got some markers down here and you can say pray and the number one first so it'll remind you every day before you do anything before you make any decision pray first you may also want to write down what you're praying for and then another thing it says on here is it says fast Okay, now everybody who gets a wrist, man, you're not committing to a fast, that's okay. But for some of you who are, this will remind you every day, whatever you choose to fast from, if you're fasting from ice cream and you're going to that refrigerator and it's like, uh-oh, <laughs> say fast. And so what I'm going to invite you to do today is to come to one of these prayer stations you can grab one of the wristbands out of here or back there in the back and I'm going to invite you to just kneel here at the front or you can kneel uh, at the prayer stations in front of the screens in the back room there and there are sharpie markers down here where you can write on that wristband what you're praying for and so I'm going to ask you now to go ahead and stand up and as we sing together as you're led of God's spirit come down and get you a wristband and kneel in prayer your commitment to pray and fast Yeah, God, I know that some serious business is being done here today. And I thank you for what you're putting on people's hearts and minds today. And I pray now that during this 21 days, that as we grab your face and turn it towards us, that you would look upon these children with delight. Thank you for your kindness and goodness to us. 
thank you for providing a place for us to worship while our theater is being renovated. Thank you for all the good that you're going to do in our lives, in our church, during this 21 days of focus on prayer. And we pray all these things to the glory and power and majesty of Jesus. Everyone said, amen. Amen. Will you guys- Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.